Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And here with us today is Michael Facemeyer, Vice President and Principal Analyst at Forrester to talk about earthquakes, humanity, and warfare. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, we had Pascal Mesca here a couple weeks ago talking about industrial digital platforms. And in that conversation, he said that B2C digital platforms and all the experiences that infers is like a big set of earthquakes. And the B2B or the industrial digital platforms is the tsunami that follows. And today, what I want to do is talk about really the meaning of the earthquakes. And I want to do it in two forms. The first one is humanity, and the second one is warfare. Because there's a lot of technology involved in this discussion, but at some level, there's a simple human thing happening. So I want to start with the simple concept of, I want to go home, and have you sort of deconstruct what that means. Yeah, so when we think about that, if I had a good friend uh, that I was with when I was on the road somewhere, say I was out in San Francisco and I thought, you know, my day is done here, maybe my work is done a day early, and I want to change my plans, I just I just want to go home, maybe my kids are, are doing something and I would, I would love to get home to them. If my friend was there and I would ask them and say, hey, can you help me do this? They would know, oh, well, you need to get a flight and you need to get a hotel and you need to get a cab and, and, and all of these things and, and, and put them all together. And, and if they were a really good friend or maybe even somebody <laughs> that I paid, uh, they would do that really, really well for me. And we're moving to the point with these digital platforms that are these earthquakes that you talk about. We're moving to the point where they can start to do some of that for us or hopefully in the very near future, they'll do all of that for us. But those things that I laid out, getting a flight, getting a hotel, getting a cab, those are literally just the building blocks. There's an important concept, Mike, which is you're the builder, you're the person, and you're the constructor. So that's work that you have to do, and more to the point, you have to do before you contemplate that trip. That's a big change in the way you're contemplating these platforms. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And and, and you're right. As of today, uh, we uh, humans uh, are the smarts behind what we call a smartphone. So it works for me because I already have on my phone the Delta app and the Hotels Tonight app uh, and the Lyft app, and I can do all that. And and so those are the baseline building blocks that make my experience happen. But where we're moving is the coordination of this moves away from me into these software platforms, into the the platforms that are the earthquakes that that, that you had uh, touched on. Right. So you mentioned the me part of that, which is what you've done is you've built – on your smartphone, just to your point, you are really the smart of that smartphone. You built a set of silos, a set of apps or, or websites, whatever, and you've been able to sort of construct them and then orchestrate their use in some logical sequence. That part of the human experience was sort of cre- the technology created this artificial process that you are now remedying. That's right. Because that's not a natural human thing to do. That's right. And part of what's happening is you're, we're taking technology to a place where humans naturally want to be. Yeah, and, 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 and not only is that unnatural, but we're actually really, really bad at it. Uh, because what we do is we just kind of do what we think is right. And then I'm sure everybody's had this experience where you're doing something or somebody else watches you do a thing and they say, oh, why do you do it like that? There's a much easier way. Well, why do we have to wait for somebody else to just happenstance see us do it in a poor way? Why can't the technology that we have, things like AI and machine learning, see, oh, you keep doing this thing. There's actually a much better way uh, to do it. Or there's a way for me to choreograph these actions that you take over and over and over again. Because when we think about things like machine learning technologies, that's all it is. It's just pattern matching. It's just saying, hey, Mike, every time you go to San Francisco, you always take that one direct flight and you always stay at the 
uh, at the San Francisco Marriott because, you know, you like it and you have status there and things like that. And they took good care of you. And there's a Starbucks in the basement and things like that. Um, so why don't I just start doing that for you? If I, as a human, have to do things, uh, do things more than three times the exact same way, I get a bit frustrated. Why can't we start to automate that? That's what these platforms start to do. Or even the concept of using the flights, which is that the flight is persistently late. Yep. And you get caught in a bind and you're missing meetings. There, there is a digital signature for that. There's a digital piece that the, that machine learning can read into and say, I'm actually going to recommend a different flight. And if it is late, I'm actually going to alert the calendar that you're late. And it begins that human orchestration that has been missing. Because again, to your point, if you're in a flight, you can't actually tell someone else something is that's going right. on. You're sort of stuck there. Yeah, that's right. And and then what you're getting to is what is that meta layer on top? How do we actually start to choreograph that such that I don't have to do much of this or I have to do much less of it myself and the platforms start to do it for me and start to uh, bring these pieces of the experience together to give me, Mike Facemeyer, my I want to go home experience, which is completely different from Victor, from your, yep. I want to go home experience. So Mike, are you talking about that being a layer of preference management? Yeah. So that's, that's what we have always talked about as personalization. And, and, and so in the past personalization was how do we make something for you? How do we, how do we create an experience for you? That's like others like you have had or others like you have declared as successful or something they actually want. But personalization moving forward on these platforms means truly for you, like an experience that was literally made just for me, just right now in the context that I'm in. That's that's what success looks like going forward. So this this concept of I want to go home is a very human context. It, it makes sense. And But you describe the limitations of technology or more to the point what humans have to do to navigate the limitations of technology. They have to navigate a silo structure how those apps were built, how they're contemplated, who owns those apps, and the fact that humans have begun to be conditioned to operate in a very imperfect technology world. But in truth, those technologies exist to make that a very human experience. And so the, there's a human context that you just described, which is so natural and obvious, but it's just not really, not really fully supported by the technology that exists today. So now I want to go to the concept of warfare, which is for the technology to work on the human's behalf – there's at least three acts of warfare, and we'll go through them one by one. The first act is the, the role of digital platforms and what that does to brands. Then the second act is the role of virtual agents and what it does to pretty much everybody because now someone's working truly on behalf of the human. And the third act is sort of the construction of those experiences, which creates this open environment where it's, it's so fluid and the preference management that you described creates almost like a, a – full-on competition for your attention and who's providing the best experiences. But let's start with Act 1, the digital platforms. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and, and so today those platforms are mostly mobile. And so you see players like Google and, and Apple and you know, to, to a smaller degree, uh, Microsoft, uh, play a role in that. And so play a role in choreographing the composition of the experience for you. But uh, I would be surprised if that's where we end up because when it comes to uh, choreographing an experience, rarely in the future will it stop on mobile. We're already starting to see players like Amazon with the with the Echo and Google with the connected uh, with their uh, the Google Home device uh, pop up and, and and start to offer other opportunities. But also televisions and cars and all these other things uh, ultimately will play a role in in this uh, experience for me. And so an aggregator across all of those isn't going to just be mobile. And so I would be shocked if. If the uh, if the coordinators of today, the Googles and Apples and 
and Microsoft of the world remain that strong position in the future. Right. I want to kind of go back to the past for a second. You know, we, we went through a period of time where we went through this phase where people really began accepting that most consumers operate in a mobile context. Most firms built an app. Many firms declared victory, saying, gosh, are we done? And you just painted a picture, which we haven't begun yet. Right. So wh- where, where are companies in Earth, just in a baseline, where are they thinking as to where, where the game really is and, and where they have to go compete next? Yeah, so, so, so companies that have, that have built an app and then kind of held up their hands and said, we're done, uh, that's, uh, that's a, a really scary proposition because you're far from it. Um, there's a lot to do. It seems like every 18 months, and it, it, that, that time frame might even be getting shorter, that there's a new, bright, shiny technology object that we can chase. A few years ago, it was beacons. Every retailer said, oh, beacons, we have to put beacons everywhere. Then they did it, and they said, well, now what do we do? Um, today it's chatbots. Everybody wants to have a chatbot, and, 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 we're, and, we're, and, we're, and we're chasing chatbots. But the reality is all of these things make up what is to be our very near future digital portfolio. When, we, when customers want to interact with us as a company or a brand, they're not going to say, ah, oh, I know Target has a really great website, but you know, doesn't have a good chatbot, so I'll go to their website. That's not how customers think. Mm. They think, ah, I know this brand, and this brand is supposed to deliver me a good or a service. I'll go to whatever comes to mind first or whatever natural for me first. And so as a company, you have to be there. And so just having an app, not success. That's only one part of that overall portfolio. Yeah, and it's like the concept of beacons, which is I have an app, I have a beacon, I collect things, I build yeah. things, but the things aren't choreographed. It's not creating it's not creating experience that a human being would recognize as something that's normal and natural. Yeah. It's just things. That's right. And that's the big sea change that's coming. That's right. Yeah. It's making technology truly work in a human context versus in a technology context. Yeah, work in a human context for both the consumer and work in a, in a, in a human context for, for the brand and for the companies that are, that are doing this. Because I don't want to build all of this and build all these customer experiences that flow together and then not be able to consume these signals from the customers about what they want. I mean, that's, that's an amazing opportunity for us as companies. Because if I have a mobile app and a website and beacons and chatbots and an Amazon Echo skill and, and all these things, all of a sudden I have so, many, so much more opportunity for customers to interact with me. I want all of that data and I want it in context. But that in context also includes a potential for a ton of noise. You know, beacons that you mentioned, there's just tons and tons of signals that come out there. And so we need to be able to, to winnow that down to just the things that matter to me. So in, in your description, the role of the digital platform is it is selecting at some level which flights, which airlines you're going to use in your example of I want to go home. Meaning if the perception is that Delta is not providing a great experience, but JetBlue is, or the fares have changed or the timing have changed, you're interacting with the digital platforms. You're no longer interacting per se with the airline's apps. And it might be that the digital platform is making some some hidden decisions away from you, the human, and from Delta or JetBlue in this example, and they're actually making decisions on the fly. So now the digital platform is is sort of at a slight warfare with the brands, or the brands are losing their directness, their direct access to the experiences, the ability to directly deliver those experiences, to gain the affinity, all those different things. That form of disintermediation has now taken place. That's right. Yeah, and it, it turns into almost a co-opetition between the brands that are offering an experience to their core service, so, so a flight in this case or a, or a hotel or things like that, 
uh, and the platform, and then and then you know further on in the, in the next phase, that virtual agent that 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 makes the decision or offers it up to me as the human to choose from. And so, uh, the interesting thing here is, as a brand, right now when I create a, a website or a mobile app, that's the only way to really interact with me, and 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 I compete because it's my app versus my competitor's app. But in the future, if if, if it's a platform making a decision and using machine learning or artificial intelligence to, to say, ah, oh, we think that the Victor would probably prefer Delta because he's a Delta guy, but there's also, you know, a, a cheaper fare on JetBlue or, or actually JetBlue has changed their interface a little bit. And so maybe he would like that. That maybe that tiny little needle move really starts to get accentuated if Victor agrees. If as a longtime Delta person, then you change to JetBlue for one flight, all of a sudden, that's an anomaly. And that says, oh, well, maybe everybody like Victor or everybody in this context might want to do the exact same thing. And it starts to get offered up. And so now the platform really starts to accentuate needle moves, accentuates these things that uh, that in the past would have taken a lot of hard work, a lot of marketing work and a lot of you know changing the hearts and minds of consumers to move that needle. Now the platforms almost overnight can really start to sway that controlling the destiny of the brand in a way, right? That's right. Yeah. And and so so as a brand you start to really lose power here and so that customer experience becomes even critically important. Yeah, and there's a sense of, you know, there's a the relationship between the brands and the platform. There's also the relationship between Amazon and Google and Facebook because they're also fighting for your attention. The platforms will fight among each other because the experiences and services, and for that matter, the money they make from you is, is so much larger because now they're dictating your entire journey and there's money to be made across the entire transactions that are being unfolded in front of you. It's, that's a big set of warfare going on right that's now. Right, that's right. Because if you look at, at, at most of those players, especially somebody like a Google that, that does a lot of that choreography now, they make the most money when you simply interact with them. That they have a, if, if they simply have their finger on the pulse of what you're doing throughout the day, they know better who you are and can better sell that information to advertisers mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, that's, that's their profit model. So, so Mike, is that how you see it as part of sort of act one is one of the outputs of act one is really the, the data as a currency and the fight for data. Absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, uh, that data being the, the, the currency. I used to say data is a currency of tomorrow, but now it's almost data as a currency of today. Tomorrow mm-hmm. has come. And, 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 and so that's, that, that will help define the winners and losers of that first act. So in Act One, you're you're interfacing with Facebook or Google or Amazon or what have you, but you're you're interacting on their terms in the context of their platform. So let's go to Act Two, which is now I have a virtual agent that really is partnering with you, Mike, and operating in your context in in on your terms. Could we talk about this act? So one of the big challenges that we have today is 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 that of discoverability, and so. Uh, the experience that I have the first time tends to be the experience I have every time. And so it doesn't get better. It doesn't get worse. It just is what it is. Uh, and, and, and a great example here is if, if, if I take my kids to a movie, one of the things that inevitably happens, because my kids are young, is, is at some point in the movie, they have to go to the bathroom. And up until very recently, because I was having a human conversation with another human, I didn't know there was actually an app that said, uh, here are the best times to go to the bathroom during a movie. It'll tell you like when the downtimes are. Wow. Uh, I had no idea that Julie app existed. Noted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody with kids, uh, take note. In this world of virtual agents, 
when I walk into a theater, because it knows where I'm at and it knows, oh, well, you're going to see Finding Dory. So you probably have kids. And and if you have kids you, and, and, you know, you bought three tickets instead of one. So if you have kids, you're probably going to have to go to the, to the bathroom during it. I'm going to actually offer this experience up to you. You didn't have to download it. You didn't have to go to an app store. That Virgil agent helped me make my life better and make an experience better that I would not have been able to do myself. And so if, if it starts to offer up these experiences to me, now the overall experience gets better. But that virtual agent very well might not be these platforms that we talked about in, 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 in phase one of this. So, Mike, in the example that you just talked about, it's sort of pushing information to you, right? But can you give an example in which you would be having a natural conversation with one of these virtual agents? Some of the early forays of that are happening now with chat and chatbots. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a platform like Facebook Messenger or WeChat or Kick or Line or any of these that, that we're all familiar with using because we use it to talk to each other, uh, we can start to use it to talk to technology. And yeah, and it's funny, you go back to the, your prior conversation of change to flight and the downstream effect of that can be profound, which yes. is what you've really done is instantiated a new preference. And so as you talk to or get served up something or you talk to this virtual agent, you, you continue to sort of create new preferences, which the downstream effect is that, in your case of the airlines, it might be that Delta continues to be disadvantaged by your a conversation you're naturally having with an entity. That's right. That's right. And, and, and the other really interesting thing that happens is, is if we take the, 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 the companies that we've been talking about here in, in this example, Delta and Marriott and, uh, and Uber, each of them have their own CRM system. Each of them have an idea of who you are as a customer. But as a customer, I don't want a Delta identity and an Uber identity and, uh, and a Marriott identity. I want my identity that says, here is my preference. And so, so we need to figure out in the industry how to capture what my preferences are across all those. And that's where these virtual agents and that's where this phase two warfare truly starts to happen because you want to win there, figure out how to federate not my identity within one company, but federate my identity across them all and keep all of those preferences and do it in a way that doesn't freak me out. This is what I don't get about this, right? Like, will it really happen? Will these companies actually share their data with each other? No, nope, probably not. Uh, there's, I, 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 I don't believe in a world in which uh, retailer A and retailer B that right. are direct competitors today are then going to turn around and say, wow, Mike would like for us to really share our data and give him a great experience and, 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 and you know, maybe disintermediate the, uh, the, the things that make him choose one or the other. Not going to happen. But what will happen is somebody will sit on top of all of these things and say, actually, uh, when somebody chooses, uh, you know, JetBlue in this experience and Marriott in this experience or in, in, in that same context, uh, in that case, the overriding preference is going to be these things. And so it'll be a higher order federation of preferences uh, in, you know, in that context. And, uh, and, and so early on, that'll be very static. It'll be mm-hmm. static, you know, across a demographic or across a, a set of cohorts. And then we'll start to make that better. We'll start to make that more personalized and more real time. And, and you know, the ideal end state is literally in real time for your needs in your context. We'll know exactly what you want. But that's a natural business outcome. The idea that in a place where data is the currency and there's warfare for that data, my first reaction is to create a closed system. My first reaction is to protect the data I own 
And my first reaction is likely not to be an open environment where I feel like I'm vulnerable now from the movement of that very data. And walled gardens exist for a reason, right? Right. The, yep. the problem is, the way I read it, Mike, is that it's not as if, you know, left untended, that's a bad outcome. It's that, that you're going to continue to reward those that play in an open environment. And that preference thing we talked about, that moving of the needle will play out and play out and play out. So those that go into sort of a defensive stance and put a motor on their data will let will likely be less of your preference going forward. And those that share it at some risk, mind you, will likely be increasingly within your preference. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll learn, we'll learn some best practices probably painfully along the way of how much do I share? How much do I don't share? Because the other great disintermediator here is technology. Because even if you don't share it, if I'm a virtual agent, if I'm operating at a level higher than all the other underlying services that create the ultimate experience, I can actually see what the user picks and what they do. And so, you know, if you're an individual brand and you don't share your data, we'll start to figure it out otherwise. So we talked about two stages of warfare. We talked about the digital platforms and now the virtual agents. Talk about stage three. Yeah, so, so in, 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 stage one, or in, uh, in stage one, we had the platforms uh, that kind of laid the groundwork for the choreography of these experiences. Stage two was the, the virtual agents that said, we're going to start to pick a subset of the options and put them together and, and ask you, you know, is this what you want or, or will this suffice your needs? In stage three, that will truly be automated. We will only ask you, we being the, 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 the agents, uh, will only ask you if we really can't figure out if two options are truly 50-50 when it comes down to the data and we'll let you choose. Uh, so there's that, but it also gets blown out into the overall ecosystem. So, you know, what we talked about up, up until now has been primarily a, uh, a, a, a set of technologies that are, uh, that are interacted with that we have today, mobile apps and websites and maybe some connected home devices. But uh, in the future, by the time we get the level of technology that we need to truly automate all these things, the ecosystem will, will truly be defined. And, and when I say ecosystem, I mean the physical ecosystem that I'm in. When I'm driving to work, my ecosystem is my car. So that ecosystem in the future becomes my drive to work or my drive to, to, to wherever ecosystem. And then I have my, my home ecosystem. The definition of your overall experience that you want to have created for you will use the best possible digitally connected thing to offer up the experience at the right time in the right place. Do those digitally connected things talk to one another? So if no. I'm in my car and I'm driving home, will it say, all right, turn the heat to... Absolutely. 69 or whatever. Absolutely. And, and, and this is where this will be the, the, the reimagining of SEO because now all of a sudden my car, uh, let's, let's, let's go to a world where we have driverless cars. And, you know, that, that world might be, uh, might be very, very soon. Um, so if we, if we go to a world with driverless cars, how does it take me home? Does it take me home the best way or does it take me home by Starbucks? Because it knows that, you know, I've not had any coffee for a while. And so... I might get that. Or does Dunkin' Donuts pay a little bit more to my car to have it take me a different way home so that I get some Dunkin' Donuts coffee instead of Starbucks? And so, so if you take the, the very, very rudimentary ideas of SEO that we have today and apply them to a world in which everything in my ecosystem gets a say in what happens, now the world changes. Now all of a sudden, uh, technology really starts to define what our life looks like. And so whoever can best, I'll say, manipulate that game, that SEO game, they become the winner in this phase three. 
So if I'm a CEO and I'm trying to wrap my head around how this evolves and how profound these changes would be, I need to start thinking now about how does my brand play in that broader context? That's right. How do I manage my data and think about my role in the ecosystem in that context? Yep. How do I compete with peers and now compete with people that do exist like digital platforms and people that don't yet exist and I have to anticipate? And do I need to reimagine my own business to play in a world that candidly I can't imagine as I, I speak in under Gen US? You know, will this really happen? The problem is if it does happen, someone has to be prepared for it. Because right. if you're not prepared, it will happen to you kind of thing. Yep. So how, in your experiences, Mike, how ready or how accepting or how how, you know, far-reaching is the thinking of the executive team to embrace these changes, which may take two years, three years, four years, whatever they might take. Yeah. So not ready at all. Um, and, and, and not to sound blunt with that, but uh, we've been hit very recently with a lot of new changes. You know, we had the web for 15 years before mobile came along, and then it took mobile about seven years to really start to, to to change the way that we thought about the web because we started thinking mobile first. Um, but recently, like we've said earlier, we've had an influx of other things, whether it be uh, connected home devices or uh, connected cars or connected homes themselves or chatbots or all of these things. And all of a sudden, the, the, the cadence of new opportunities have been coming fast and furious to the executives of these companies. And so they've been trying to react one by one or channel by channel. But what we need to start doing is two things. We need to, as you said earlier, data is the new currency. We need to make our data easily available. So for folks that are building the experience, whether it's your developers or your business partners or whomever, for folks that are building experience, we can't slow them down. They can't be burdened by accessing your data and learning your nuances. Where's the data at and what's the protocol look like? And all these really crazy technology things enable them to go fast, enable them to build digital experiences fast. So that's number one is, is, is your data has to be accessible. Number two is we can't look at these new things that come out channel by channel. We have to continually keep our eye on what is our digital portfolio? What is our overall digital experience that we offer to our customers? And then we augment that with new things that come out. And so the only way to augment that is, is to kind of create an architecture, create a, a set of underlying technologies that can be appended to. So our CRM can't be a CRM just for the web or a CRM just for mobile. It's got to be a CRM for all of our customer experiences. And so then when we decide to create a chatbot that interacts, that those interactions also go to a CRM so that we know what our customers are doing there. And so as we create this infrastructure, that's what we need to think about. So what does that mean for them? What do they have to do now to prepare to really operate and be great at an environment that probably can't imagine? Yeah, they've got to be able to build digital experiences quickly at speed and keep up with the pace of technology. And that's a scary statement. Keep up with the pace of technology when, when we are literally getting new types of experiences offered up to us every six, five three, two months. It, it seems like there's a new thing that we can build, a new thing that we can do. And so how do you create experiences that fast as well? You have to change how your organization is, is, is uh, created. You have to change how we access data. You have to change how you think about building your business in a digital world. That all has to be done quickly. Uh, and, and, and it can't just be done with technology in mind. It has to be done with your customer in mind 
It has to be done with the ultimate experience in mind. And that might not be an experience that you own. It might be an experience that is owned for you. So today we went through what earthquakes really mean. What does it mean to sort of serve humanity? And what does it mean to sort of fight in a war that comes in three stages and all of them really remarkably different than our current world? Thank you so much for your time today, Mike. Thanks, Victor. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.